Welcome to This Week in Fast Pitch, the podcast that keeps you up to date on the latest news, insights, and analysis from the world of fast pitch softball. Powered by 643, we bring you the stories behind the scores, the personalities behind the players, and the strategies behind the game. Whether you're a fan, a coach, or a player, we've got you covered with expert analysis and insider information. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a deep dive into the world of fast pitch softball. This is This Week in Fast Pitch, powered by 643, with your hosts, Jimmy Thomas and Kevin Bednoski. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are excited for episode 14 of TWIFT, This Week in Fast Pitch. We are have an unbelievable guest for you this week, and it's Brandon Geyer, a former Major League Baseball player and now the co-founder and owner of Major League Mindset. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's an honor and pleasure to be here. So uh, thank you all for having me and, and for all that you all do. Yeah. So first off, I want to just let everybody know sort of a little bit of a commercial for us that you're going to be in our Ashburn facility on Sunday, uh, February the 4th at 7 p.m. to do uh, a series for us in about an hour and a half where you're going to be talking about mindset and mental performance with a bunch of young softball players. So uh, we're really excited to have you in the building. And why don't you tell us a little bit about a preview of what those young women are going to be experiencing? Yes, I, I cannot wait. Um, so so one of the things I love to do is is travel around the country and speak. Um, and, and when I when I when I come in, um, it, I usually go deep into five principles, because if I were to try to cover the entire major league mindset program, it would be hours and hours and hours. So I, I break it down to five principles. First one is um, playing the ultimate game in life, um, not just trying to be the best player we can be. Obviously, yeah, that's part of it. But we can't have our entire self-worth tied to how we do on the field, right? Um, so helping them play the ultimate game, become the best version of them, and so that they can live their best life and help others do the same. That's what I call the ultimate game in life. Um, number two, control the controllables. Go deep on what I believe is the number one skill for each and every athlete. I would argue every single human being. It's what the Stoic philosophers thousands of years ago you sum up their philosophy, focus on what's in your control, let everything else go. Um, it's easier said than done, but helping players get clarity in what's in their control and become great at controlling the controllables, their life changes on and off the field. Uh, number three, I call it dominate the MLM fundamentals. This is how they eat, sleep, train, breathe, and then their overall self-discipline to get their energy mentally and physically to whole new levels because our physiology drives our psychology way more than people think. Um, number four, we got... Um, routines of excellence. And, and that's really all about having set pregame, in-game, and post-game routines that stack the odds in their favor and help them quickly bounce back from adversity. So giving them set routines and tools they can use right away. And then lastly, I call it anti-fragile confidence. It simply means you have an unbreakable trust in yourself that you can handle anything the game of life or softball throws your way. Um, so go deep onto all five of those and uh, really look forward to it. That's awesome. Brandon, We're so excited um, to have you I, I got here. A, I feel like I got a. Yeah, sorry, Kevin. Um, so I've, I've got a bunch of a bunch of questions for you, but just just curious, like where did this stem for you? Like, did you have a mentor growing up? We actually had a conversation yesterday about like visualization with some some girls we were talking to uh, around the facility here. 
Um, and I grew up, you know, with this notion of visualization and, you know, mental preparation and, and those sort of things. We don't, I don't feel like we see a lot of it or hear a lot of it today. So this is very intriguing what you're doing mm -hmm. and exciting. But um, where did this stem for you? Did this start at a little age? Did you have a, you know, a, a, a family member or, or a coach that started to instill this? Where did this kind of uh, originate for you? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I, I wish it, it was when I was at a younger age. Um, it would have made the journey a lot more enjoyable, um, a lot more or less ups and downs. Um, you know, a lot of players come through the program who are eight, nine, ten, like the eight week live online training that I do. I, I tell all of them, I wish I knew this stuff uh, when yeah. I was your age. But um, it started for me my heading into my senior year of high school. I went to Herndon High School and this is from 2000 to 2004. Um, you know, I tell we the just story. Missed, we just missed playing against you, by the way. I went to Oakton. Jimmy went to uh, where were you, Robinson? Fairfax, Fairfax. Okay, yeah. so, so we just we, missed each other. Well, we were a little bit before you, but uh, yeah, sorry <laughs> to take you off track there. But I thought that was no, that no, it's all good. I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. so my, my heading into senior year, I um, a coach, you know, recommended a book. And that book is one I still have right here called Heads Up Baseball um, by Ken Revisa. And, you know, those first three years of high school, very average to below average player, had zero colleges talking to me. So heading into senior wow. year, I'm like, if I want to continue to play, I have I thought I had some good physical skills. I need to change what I'm doing. My focus, my self-talk, my attitude, my ability to handle failure and adversity. That was holding me back more than anything. Fears. Um, all of that stuff. So I read that book, but then just read it. Like I say, I don't want to be a librarian with this stuff. I say, let's be a warrior. Let's apply it so that we notice a difference in our life on and off the field. So I applied it and it was like I was given this key that completely unlocked myself. And the key was my mind. Um, I don't think it changed me, but it allowed me to be who I could be. Um, and so then senior year, I went off, ended up committing to University of Virginia, um, played there for three years. And then, you know, the rest of my career just became, I saw the transformation it made for me as a, as a play, as a person first, and then as a player. And so I went all in. So the last two decades plus just been obsessed with it. Ken Revisa, who's like the mental performance, you know, goat or godfather, you could say for baseball seven years later, He's my mental performance coach because he's with the Tampa Bay Rays. So I get to train with him in person for four years when I'm with the Rays. And I basically just told him, dude, seven years ago, you changed my life with that book. So thank you very much, Ken. Um, so just continue to learn, have other mentors, other mental performance coaches, and combine all of that with my close to a decade playing in the big leagues. Um, and that's what the Major League Mindset program is comprised of. That's awesome. I think that uh, – I think that – Based on based on that book, Ken, you're not the only one, right? You're not the only one that he probably had that uh, that he had that, that you had that conversation with. He's probably heard that a bunch of times, I would imagine. And and I, you know, every single time a mentor, and I'm sure you're in this situation now, hears how you've impacted someone else's life, it just it just makes you want to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and keep helping and helping and helping. So that's that's why we're excited to have you in the building on on the fourth because we think that you're going to be able to impact a bunch of kids just like you were impacted when you were, you were young. Yeah. You're, you're so spot on. And, and, you know, when I talked about the ultimate game earlier, that that's kind of what, what, you know, they said thousands of years ago. And I, I talk about this a lot, especially in person when I come in, you know, the, 
ancient philosophy, whether we talk about Marcus Aurelius, Aristotle, um, Epictetus, Seneca, all of them thousands of years ago, they say the purpose of life is to become the best version of you and do so in service to something bigger than you. So like what we're doing, what Ken did for me, he became the best he could at mental performance and in service to help others do the same. And, and so like, that's what I'm trying to take now is take everything I learned and, and now give it back and help them. And, and what you all are doing with the facility and as coaches, like that's, that's what it's all about. If we're doing that, we have this purpose, we have this meaning and we're helping others and we're taking the experience we went through and giving them inexpensive experience because we have the expensive experience because we went through it. Now let's give them the inexpensive experience, learn from someone who's been through, who's been through what they want to go to um, and, and give that as much as they can, um, you know, accumulate that inexpensive experience. So yeah, spot on. So you, you clearly are a student of this, of this mental game. Um, but, you know, specifically, did you, did you take classes? Did you, you have certifications? Like what sort of the background, obviously you were inspired, you know, started in high school and you're, and you're uh, very passionate about this, but um, is there any kind of like formal education that you have gone through to sort of, you know, get to this position that you're in now? Yes, for sure. And, and that's a big thing. I did not re want to um, just rely on, oh, you know, I played, you know, X amount of years in the big leagues. You know, I, I, I know this stuff like, I, no. So when I retired in 2020, I, I went deep. I went deep. I was like, OK, I became the best player that I could be. Now it's time to become the best coach and, and take the same discipline and focus and all in this that I did for playing into my coaching career. So right away, well, at UVA, I studied psychology and sociology. Um, and then when I retired in 2020, I um, took uh, Brian Kane. He's a very well-known mental performance coach, went through his certification program. He's become a mentor to me, um, huge, because he's one of the best of the best. Um, a guy named Brian Johnson, who runs a company called Heroic, He's been my head coach for three years and he's like, he basically trains the guys who train the Navy SEALs. So like the leaders in our military, this guy trains, he's been my head coach and mentor um, for three years. So taking all of that and combining it with, with everything that I experienced, the, the, the roller coaster of a journey throughout my career, that that's truly how I feel like I've made a program. And I say this very humbly, but assertively that there is nothing out out there like it in, in this country, in this world, I don't believe. Um, and I say that in, with full trust because I put the work in. I feel like I've earned it. And I feel like the results that players get, the transformations they get on and off the field proves that as well. Um, but like I said, I've said that very humbly and, and continue to put the work in to continue to grow, um, whether it's adding new worksheets to the workbook I developed, like every class is, is new information because I'm just constantly looking to learn and, and, and give, give these players tools that can help them in the moment change their mental state. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So at this, at this point, you've probably worked with what, hundreds, thousands of different types of players, uh, you know, around the country. What's, we're always curious, you know, we, we now work with, with young women, young girls uh, in softball from a skill perspective. Um, you've worked all the way up to, you know, we were talking earlier, sort of the Mike Trouts of the world. What's the, what's the difference between working with someone like Mike Trout and working with someone that you're going to meet, uh, you know, in our glory, when you do our glory training, or you're going to meet on, on the fourth here at 643? Ooh, that's, that's a great question. Um, 
Well, one thing I always say is, is there is no the way when it comes to training the mindset that players need to get all the information, get all the knowledge, get all the theory, and then make it their own. So what works for Mike Trout might not work for another player on the Angels last year, or what worked for Shohei Otani might not work for a glory player. Um, but one thing that stands out about those players, and it's why they're at the highest level, they train the physical side and the mental side. I like to think there's three reps we can get, physical, mental, or no reps. So they get a lot of the first two. And, and it's something I like to call not normal or, or being different. Those players are not normal. They want to train the physical and the mental side, knowing that normal people just train the physical side or they do, or they get a lot of no reps, right? They have fear and anxiety and, you know, um, all that other stuff that we all face as, as human beings, but they're not normal because they have tools to handle it. Whereas the normal have those same fears, but they've never been trained and they never looked into how to train, like really eat up all the fear and everything that comes out. Cause the very first thing I told the, the big league team last year in spring training with the angels, they did not bring me in here to magically make fear, anxiety, pressure, stress, adversity, all that stuff disappear. No, I'm here to help you eat it all up. You use it as a, like, use all that as fuel to help your performance, not hope that it goes away. Um, I know I'm getting a little sidetracked there, but I would say, that, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference. It's it's really if the play, if the player, no matter what age or what sport, is all in. Do they want to not be normal and not do what everyone else is doing? Because that's how they achieve greatness. That's how they achieve and become the best version of themselves in, in any facet of life. Um, so what's the so what's I don't know if I directly answered your question. No, you did, you did. But what's the biggest block? Because it sounds to me then that the the, the the, to become not normal, you have to remove obstacles. And as you can imagine, for a teenage girl in today's society, there are infinite number of obstacles. And they're not all based on what's going on in softball. There, there are so many mm -hmm. other things that, 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 are, that are guiding them in a direction that may be not maximizing their ability to be not normal. So what are some of the big obstacles mm -hmm. that you're seeing, especially amongst maybe young women, uh, that, that you, we can help them overcome? Yeah, great question. Um, I think a big one is identity, identity and um, really knowing themselves very well. And two questions I always like to ask, who are you at your best? And what is it you do that leads to you showing up at your best? Help them become the world's greatest expert on one subject themselves, like get to know themselves so very well. And then once they know that, create identity. Because something I struggled with in high school, my first three years, I had a fixed mindset who was a perfectionist with no identity. That's not a combo I recommend to any athlete or any human being. So when I inevitably struggled on the field, well, it, that's all my self-worth was tied to being an athlete. So then everything else was affected, my mental health, my relationships, my connection, um, my performance, everything. But when they can separate, when, when you know, I have a daughter who's, who just turned nine um, and I'm trying to start this with her. And, and yes, some of her friends are getting phones. 
I'm telling you, you're not getting a phone most likely because there, there's actually, I'm going to go off here real quick. There was a study followed 27,000 young girls and it showed those who had a phone before high school, early on, had more anxiety, more stress, more of all that icky stuff, you know, less self-worth than those who did not. 27,000 people this study followed. So I'm bringing this up because, yeah, Riley, my daughter's name, a lot of your friends are going to get this stuff, but you're not going to be normal. And, and when studies show that it's going to affect your mental health down the road, I listen when, when science shows that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's another part of it. Social media is a part of it. But once they have this true identity, they know themselves very well. They have an on the field and off the field identity. They can turn one on and turn the other off. I like to call it change clothes, change mindset. Then the inevitable struggles and failures don't hit them as hard, right? And they don't last as long. Um, so... It's something I could keep going on and on about. I talk about I'll talk about it in person a lot, but I think that identity portion of it is, is huge. So you mentioned a minute ago, um, kind of talking through sort of the, the the skills and drills that even professional athletes focus their time and attention on, and unquestionably we see that here. There's this commitment to sort of quote unquote being in the cage, right? That's how I'm going to get better. Um, and, and we could go off into a whole tangent here, but I'm just curious in terms of kind of leveling this out, um, where do you put mental preparedness related to time in the cage? Is it equal? Is it, you know, 20%? Uh, I suspect I, I kind of know where you would head with this answer, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's so often um, ignored. Uh, and we don't do enough of it. And by the way, I totally agree with you with your statement earlier that that no one is doing this. Um, and I, again, I think it's a it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And 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 hopefully people are, are receiving this well and you continue to, to flourish and grow. But, um, you know, where do you put this just in terms of uh, comparison to again, I'll just call it working in the cage, if you will. Yeah, no, uh, another great question. And I appreciate those words. Um, so. I you know, when we talk about baseball, softball, you know, and I ask this question in person, but I always say, like, what percentage of the game is mental? And as we continue to to go up and even in high school, I would say at least 80, 90 percent. And that's the usual answer I get. So then I ask, what percentage of the time do you train that the mental side of the game? The percentage that you just said is is mental. And, and the answer I get is zero to five percent of the time. And, and there's a couple main reasons for that. Um, they've never been taught how to in an intentional way. And my answer to their answer is, well, that's exactly what I developed with the Major League Mindset program. Very intentional, very structured. Number two, they don't have the time to do it. My answer to that is 1% of your day is all I'm asking to train the mental side. 1% of the day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Can you, and every athlete, even in school during the season has 1% of their day that they can put into training the mindset. And I like to call it hit up the mind gym for 1% of the day. That can be meditation. It can be journaling. It can be gratitude. It can be reading a mindset book. It can be listening to a mindset podcast. That 1% you can do pretty quickly. Um, and then question number, th or reason number three, a lot of players have a fixed mindset. They, they believe that their confidence, their focus, their self-image, their discipline, all of that is just kind of, what they're born with. It's set in stone. 
But once they realize that they can train their mind just like their body, because they all have the gift of growth, you know, growth mindset, Carol Dweck style. Once they realize that, then they train it intentionally. And then they're like, I just kind of mentioned earlier, they're given a key and they unlock themselves. They, they get, we all have, they all have, when I'm in person, all the, we all have the masterpiece inside of us. It's, are we chipping away at what's in the way? And for that, what, what's in the way for athletes, I firmly believe is, is um, fear. Number one, uh, inability to handle adversity, lack of routines and lack of self-discipline. So helping them chip away at those, then they get to, it, then they then they find out how good they can be. Then they play free and lose consistently. So to get back to your question, you know, obviously you're going to spend more time on the physical side. That is always important. Physical skills plus mental skills equals their true potential unlocked. So got to train the physical side, right? But it's the sixth tool. It's the mindset that's going to help you get the most out of the physical side. So let me get back to really answer your question. I tell them 1% of your day at least. Spent, you go to the cages, but on the mindset side, can you do 14 minutes and 24 seconds at least with it? Um, so yeah. So I, I have a follow up a... on that. Sorry, Kevin. I know you good. Uh, sorry. So I'm so sorry, Kevin. Uh, I knew you were going to jump in there. I was trying to beat you to the punch. Just maybe just a little bit related to that. So I didn't forget it. So it's 1% per day. Um, when you're here, and I'm not asking you to divulge anything here, but like when you're here and in person and we're talking with these kids, do you give them strategies on? what that mental preparedness should be? In other words, if I'm going to spend 1% of my day today, what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about my overall being? Am I thinking about something very specific? It is this niche focus. Is it the same routine over and over again? And again, don't divulge anything here. Um, but is that something that you help, you know, with, you know, with these kids or, or even professionals on how to do this? Yes, 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, actually, this past week in the eight-week program, a lot of the Glory Girls are taking part. Um, I, I went over developing a pregame mental checklist. Pregame mental checklist. So the, the pregame routine, very important. The in-game routines, such as a pre-pitch routine, that's where the mental game lives. That's the most important. And then a set post-game routine where it's just journaling um, super quick. But to go back to the pregame, Having a mental checklist like for you that you know works for you, whether it's um, you do a gratitude practice, because I think that is one of the most important things we can do, because when players feel better, they play better. Um, so gratitude before the game, super important. Um, making I call them mental movies before a game, just highlight reels of you at your absolute best watching it. Like I made one for Angels and like Mike Trout last year made a movie for him. He would watch before going right, right before going out to the field. Um, and on it, I had specific mantras that we talked about such as, such as execution over expectations. Um, this is what you train for, you know, that kind of stuff was on the video. So that's another good thing to add to the pregame routine. Um, little meditation, absolutely huge and, and add some visualization into that. So I could go on and on here, but yes, a specific, and, and once again, they find their way. Like, don't do what someone else is doing. Like, I don't know if anyone saw J.J. McCarthy with Michigan. He he would, the quarterback from Michigan, sit on the foul, um, the uh, field goal post pregame when fans are in the stadium and, and do meditation. Like, that worked for him. But other players, it might not. They might like a quiet room in the locker room, right? So, like, players just finding their way and creating their own pregame routine until it's just like a set process that they just work and work and work because it – stacks the odds in their favor and helps them go into competition 
calm, confident, and prepared, you know? So I, I want to, this is maybe a little bit of a controversial question. So, and it, and it gets back to some youth, the youth players. Coaches, coaches in the youth game, baseball, softball, probably all sports, they're so focused on the end result, right? They're focused on winning the game, winning the tournament, winning the match, whatever it is. So thus they spend all of their time and energy working on getting to that result and they don't value or they're not seeing or they don't understand or they don't know, whatever the reason is, this component that you're bringing to the table. How can we instill the major league mindset concepts to your average rec soccer league coach? You know, forget softball for a second, right? Because mm. I, I think part of the missing link is because kids, a, a, a nine-year-old girl, your daughter, is going to basically follow what their coach says, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. just, okay, this is what we're doing in practice today. This is what we're, this is how we're going to play the game. This is how we're going to, this is the roster. This is the lineup. So we, it's great that we're working with kids, but we also need to explain the value of this to coaches. How is the best way to eliminate this notion of, hey, I'm only gonna focus on this thing that's right in front of me, which is the game today and the result of that? Great question, Kevin. Um, it comes back to something that is so very simple. And because it's so simple, people think that they've had it mastered and they don't really think about it or train it. And it goes back to control the controllables. And, and when, when coaches train, like, they're preaching that to their athletes, but they're living in integrity with it as well. Man, it's like, you know, they feel more free. They feel more loose. There's less pressure. There's less anxiety for them and for, and for the team. They enjoy the process a lot more. Like I'm coaching my son's eight U team right now. <laughs> and, and literally that's all, they'll never see me get upset at them unless there's something in their control they're, they're not great with, such as their attitude, their effort, their response to adversity, their body language. If they're not doing that well, well, then I'm going to talk to them. But besides that, as coaches, if, if we are just simply preaching and, and looking for and, and kind of ex, and really expecting players to just be relentless and great with controlling the controllables, that, that will change everything. Like we have a, a, a chain at the end of every game we give away. And all it says is control the controllables player of the game. Like you can go three for three, but that does not mean you're getting the chain. I just want to instill in them what I think is the number one skill for, for athletes in controlling the controllables. Cause it's what, it's what propels athletes or what holds them back the most in their life on and off the field. Um, so, so helping coaches get clarity of what's in their control, like the end result, there's only so much coaches can do, you know, the, whether you get a, you know, trophy or the team wins, whatever the end, end record is for the team, there's only so much the coach can do. Um, but if the coach knows that he he's putting together the best practices, he's building up his athletes so he can bring out the best in them by helping them and just focusing on what's in their control. Then, then once again, the, the, the pressure, the stress, the anxiety melts away and they enjoy themselves a lot more. Um, so, um, another thing I could go on and on again, but about, but that, that's a great question, Kevin, and, um, look forward to talking more about that in person.
Man, I tell you what, how cool would it be as a little league parent to get your offer letter from uh, Coach Geyer? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. That's uh, that's some kind of volunteer uh, position there. Uh, and you know, so I'm one of the, I'm one of the, uh, the assistant, and the head coach is um, I don't know if you know him. His 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 name is Sean Davis. He's the head coach at Sherwood High School. They won the last three Maryland State championships for high school. Um, so he's the head coach. I'm the assistant coach. So it's uh, it's right. been a lot of fun. Are you well? You you got you got to you know you got to put in your time, right? You got to you got to work your way up the ranks there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I'm all for that. I'm all for it. You got to earn well, it. <laughs> it's it. It also sounds like you got to keep that little group of kids together for a really long time. That sounds like it'll be a fun group. It, it's crazy, and that that's the biggest difference I I noticed because I was of the mindset like I want to keep my my kids in rec ball and house league as long as possible. But I just found we were doing it, and at the practices, like a lot of the kids didn't want to be there. Their focus wasn't great, and so then we we got into this travel. Um, but I only, when the guy who asked me to coach, if I, I gave him five values that this team is going to live by and the parents of the team are going to live by. And if you don't agree to them, no, I will not coach. And my son won't play for the team. He agreed to him. Um, and so that's, it's basically rec ball, but with better competition is how I'm approaching it kind of. Um, and, and these kids, I mean, literally we, we do meditation before every practice i have them repeat like i will have fun and be focused all practice i will attack and be aggressive under control i will have a great attitude all practice so like set the intention for their in their mind before practice and and these guys are just these kids who are seven and eight are just so dialed in all practice so it's, it's a lot of fun for coaches and parents it's it's really awesome i was uh, telling the story yesterday in the same conversation we were having with these girls that um when I was younger and I'm a little bit older than you, but um, my, I did, I was fortunate in that my dad was a, a big mind over matter kind of guy, right? A lot of um, visualization, a lot of, you know, uh, powerful speaking, you know, um, um, you know, people that we listened to. And he had, I think it was him, I assume it was him, purchased a, a VHS tape at the time, obviously, of Rod Carew. And you mentioned this, that you'll, you'll take videos of the player and have them watch that and visualize. And that's all this thing was. It was 30 minutes of Rod Carew swinging, and it was different camera angles, and it was different music. Sometimes there was no music. You could just hear the bat and the ball, and it, it, you just sit there and listen to it. And I was infatuated by this thing. Mm. And I, I, think I, I think I probably did more than what a lot of people do now, but it wasn't nearly enough. And, and I, think it did, I think it made a huge difference in the way that I – the way that I played on the field, um, you know, had, looking back now and, and like you're saying before the game, getting into that mental state, you know, those were the things that I didn't really commit to because I don't think that I was trained on it. But um, mm-hmm. um, Kevin, I don't know how much more you have, and I know we're probably up against the, the clock here. I just had sort of one more question. Sure. Um, and, then, and then I have a, and then I have a, a, like a personal sort of fanboy question for you. But, um, but you know, I, I referenced it earlier. Um, I want to make sure that this is understood because for the people that are listening to this and for the people that are going to come see us or see you on, on the fourth, um, you do this at the highest of levels. I mean, you've, 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 you've mentioned already Shohei Otani uh, and Mike Trout. I mean, these are people at the very highest level of the game that you're getting paid to come in and train these people on what to do. I, I want to make sure that that's not missed, that that's that people understand that this is, you know, this isn't uh, some fluky thing. This this is a powerful piece of the puzzle. And if you want 
your kid or the kid wants to be good, uh, and certainly if they want to be great, that this is a, an instrumental part of the game, no different than being in the cage and the commitment that they make to being in here, make this commitment. Whether you end up showing up on the fourth or not, um, dig into this, start learning this, put this into your routine just the way you put strength training and nutrition and all these other things. Um, I think that's important, but um, you know, just, just in terms of, of um, the reception that you're getting, the engagement that you're getting, uh, clearly we've seen some of the high profile um, people that have bought in. I know Kevin and, and his uh, organization, uh, Virginia Glory, uh, are bought into this. Are you, are you seeing that level of, you know, are people sort of engaging in this? Are they receiving this well and saying, hey, we get it, Brandon, we totally want in. Like your, your business, is it, is it booming? Is it growing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of across the country? How's, how's it being received? Yeah. So, so first off, when you talk about like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, you know, what stands out about them, if I were to pick one thing, it's discipline and extreme high levels of focus on their craft and on every aspect of the game. And, and they, they are just good people. Humility yeah. stands out to me when I think of them, just like good people. They don't think they have it all figured out and they're continuously looking to get better that drive to relentlessly get better is what really stands out um, to, to me about them. Um, and then as far as, you know, major league mindset and everything right now, uh, is everyone, you know, cause it's kind of new. Is everyone bought into the mental side of the game? No. And, and I expect that like when I, I'm the mental strength coach for university of Virginia, when I go there, you know, I'm with them in person eight times uh, a year and do supplement zooms and stuff with them and, and whatnot. I know that not every player is going to buy into it. And, and especially if a player has never really failed a lot in their life, they might not think they need it. But what I say to that is it's going to happen eventually. And you, it, you'd be smart if you're prepared when that, when that massive amount of failure and adversity comes along. Um, so we, I, I like to call it prehab. Don't do rehab. Don't when you're you're really beat mentally and struggling. You sh you want to have a system in place when that not if but when that comes your way. Um, so, it, you know, I, I'm so grateful for um, you know organizations like Virginia Glory and and others throughout the country who who are taking part baseball and softball wise. The mental side is just growing, and and once they realize. You know, whether you look on my website about, um, you know, when I just ask players, hey, what did you get out of it? I don't tell them what to say or anything. The majority of them, whether it's videos or testimonials on my website, first talk about what it made them, how it helped them become a better person. And, and I very strongly believe, and I got this from the book Legacy, the All Blacks rugby team in New Zealand, they are the best sports franchise of all time, a 84% winning percentage. Their mantra is better people make better All Blacks. Um, and so these players are becoming a better version of themselves off the field. And then as a byproduct, the results they're after, but not tied to, are then coming their way. They're intrinsically motivated to, motivated to just be a better person, to, ha to have meaningful, meaningful conversations and, and connections, um, help out other people. And then the extrinsic stuff comes their way and they're happier. They enjoy the process. Um, so, you know, thanks for bringing it up and letting me plug Major League Mindset a little bit. But it, it's been great and look forward to continue to build it and, and make an impact um, in, any, in any way possible. Awesome.
Uh, Kevin, you, you got anything? I, I well, you want you can ask your one question. You can ask your one question, your and then I'll and then I'll wrap it up. I, I actually have a hundred questions, and I can keep you here for hours. <laughs> and, hey, we'll do it again. Probably, we'll do it again. <laughs> it probably stems from this. I mean, I'm sure Kevin is no different than me or, or, or Jimmy, who I think of the three of us played at the highest levels uh, for us. Um, I um, I grew up playing baseball. It's it's my it was my first love. Uh, it still is. It's second now to softball, but. Um, and I have been a, an unfortunate Orioles fan for many, many years, although, man, I'll tell you what, looking forward to this year. But, um, but I grew up wanting to play professionally. I wanted to be Cal Ripken, except I was, you know, eight inches shorter and you know, 100 pounds lighter, and it, it wasn't going to be my thing. But um, what is it like, man? I mean, what is it like to play at that level? I mean, I, I, when did it start for you? I'm assuming this was a childhood dream, uh, although you said you kind of sucked until high school. But like, when did this become a reality for you, and what was it like – to, to play at that level and, and the follow-on question, what's it like to get hit by a 98 mile an hour fastball? <laughs> I was waiting for one of those questions. <laughs> um, so what's it like? Yeah, 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 it was, you know, those first three years in high school, it, yeah, it was a dream, but I was so bad at baseball and, and I actually was a pretty good football player. So I thought I was going to go play college football and I wanted to play at the university of Virginia and was talking to their coaches actually. But that year I had in the, in the transfers, transformation and the newfound mindset and person I became heading into senior year. Then that dream that I had planted in my mind became something where I'm like, this can be possible now that I've not mastered the mental side, um, but gotten a lot better and just knowing I'm going to continue to work on it. Um, that's when, you know, I went to Virginia, um, continue to work on it, work on it, work on it. And, um, you know, junior year getting drafted, and getting the chance to play pro ball, um, the 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 fire in me just just lit up even more, um, and continued as I played in the minor leagues, and and um, so for a long time I knew I wanted to, but the, until my senior year of high school, I, I never thought it was a real reality because I was right. just struggling so bad. Um, and then playing in the big leagues, it's awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's pressure filled, it's anxiety filled. There's a lot of fear, and, and that's why if I had not trained my mental side, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't have had the chance to go play in the big leagues. But when I got to the big leagues, all of the, the I'm all of a sudden playing with, against Derek Jeter and Poppy and all these players a lot in the AL East because I was with the Rays. You know, and it's like it was like a weird feeling. Like, do I belong here? All this stuff, and so then a lot of fear of failure, all that stuff came about, and realized you have to perform or you're getting sent down. And so the fact that I was able to, tr I had trained the mindset and I could handle all of that doesn't mean it was easy, um, but yeah. that got me through it. Um, and then it kind of in the same thing as getting hit by a pitch, like, um, you know, I, I really trained my mind. And that's a beautiful thing. It's called neuroplasticity. We can train our mind. We might have these limiting beliefs that are holding us back that maybe we're not even aware of. And they're probably tearing down our self-image and, and, and the self-image for all athletes, but especially young softball players is huge because they will never outperform a poor self-image. So having self-love and self-compassion is huge for that self-image. Um, and I, I don't know why I got off on that, but I'm trying to <laughs> let me bring it back here. Um, okay. So back to getting hit by pitch. 
I got oh, the neuroplasticity. We can, you, we can train our mind and develop new pathways. And so that's what I did when it came to hitting. Um, it, I looked at or getting hit by pitch. I looked at it the same thing as a single or a walk. Getting on base is the name of the game. So lefty pitchers like to pitch me in a lot. And I just simply didn't move. And um, yes, it hurt. <laughs> I, I think I kind of mastered like almost like you're catching an egg softly. Like yeah. I kind of mastered, you know, getting hit, but doesn't mean it wasn't painful, especially like from guys like Chapman and whatnot. But um, yeah. that's kind of how that came One, about. 104 from what, lefty Chapman. Is that what it was? Oh no! What so? What what was the what? Do you still hold the record of hit by pitch? Um. So if you, the record is hit by pitch per plate appearance in Major League Baseball right. history, anyone Don, over Don ba- at least Don Baylor, right? It doesn't Don Baylor. He might have Don the Baylor. most overall. He might have the yeah. most total um, per plate appearance by far. I, I have the most. <laughs> uh, it wasn't something I set out to do. It was just yeah. yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. Great. Brandon, we cannot thank you enough for spending a few minutes with us previewing this awesome event that we're having here at 643 in Ashburn on February 4th at 7 p.m. where you're going to talk about these five principles. Um, tell, tell people just one more time how they can get in touch with you if they think that their team or their organization might want to take advantage of the, uh, the offering that you have for people. Yeah, really, really looking uh, forward to and very excited for February 4th. I hope we get a lot of people there. Um, I, I, I promise you, I, you have my word. Whether you know, I'm going to be handing out mantra wristbands, focal point stickers, these reset button stickers. Um, I'm going to be handing out and sharing tools that, that players and parents out there will have immediate impact. So like heading into the next year, I'm telling you, this stuff can give you immediate impact impact um both on and off the field because they off the field anxiety before a big test a big conversation whatever it is like this all translates so um you have my word i will give you that on february 4th and then to find me um i'm on all social medias um, my website has all the information like i said the biggest thing i do is the eight week live online training that's what virginia glory is doing right now um, and the next eight week class will start April 24th. The current one's in week five. And then we take about a month and a half off and we'll have another one. Um, and so everything's on brandongeyer.com. And Kevin, as you know, so like you take part in one class, you have future, you have lifetime access to all future classes. So class eight, class nine, class 10, with all the new information and resources, you get free access to all that for lifetime. Um, so um yeah, yeah and everything's having record, me on and everything's and recorded so you can board. always use it later on it's it's really really great stuff so we absolutely appreciate it again brandon geyer major league mindset check him out online local coaches or anyone that's listening get in touch with brandon watch his social media watch what's going on it's invaluable stuff that that you can pass along to your teams your players parents players coaches it's 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 great for everybody so please, 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 um, you can find Matt, tell everybody where they can register for the event on the 4th. So we're doing this at our Ashburn location. So if you go to 643.com backslash or forward slash, actually, 
uh, Ashburn-Events. Uh, you'll find it in that list of events that we've got going on in Ashburn. So uh, we've got, uh, there's two different signups, one for individuals and then one for individuals and, and parents if the parents want to attend, which I think Brandon does encourage. Um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, check us out. And this is something you don't want to miss. I mean, this, this is, it, and it's really priced very, very low to, to get, uh, to get access to this incredible content. So, um, yeah, definitely. If you're not already signed up, make sure you do it. Awesome. Brandon, thanks so much again, major league mindset, go check it out. We really appreciate your time this morning and look forward to seeing you on Sunday, the fourth. Take care. Yeah, Kevin, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.